Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, Merry Christmas to everybody and a Happy New Year's Eve. We've got one more day to make poor choices. <laughs> Let's not squander it. You know, it's a time when we think about the year that's been passed and we're looking forward into the future. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I say that as a joke, but a lot of times that's the way we treat some of these resolutions, you know, maybe we had at the beginning of the year. And um, some of them probably didn't come to fruition and it, it, maybe they got abandoned early on. And, you know, you get to the end of the year and it can feel like, you know, what happened? You know, what what was accomplished this year? It seems like you know, maybe we're thinking about goals coming up for the next year, resolutions, things we'd like to change, things we'd like to see different in our lives. And uh, it seems like before February comes around, many times we've already given up on those things. Maybe the ink is still wet on the paper, and it seems like we've already dropped the ball. And um, sometimes those things aren't huge things, but at other times, if, if you and I were to look back over this year, there's probably been things that really uh, that hit us hard, things that we didn't expect to go the way that they did. Um, you know, maybe you've had a, a heavy, serious loss this year. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you've experienced a pain that you never had before. Maybe you've had a sickness that you weren't expecting it came out of nowhere it came out of left field and it hits you hard maybe it was the loss of a job I don't know what the situation might be but as we look back over 2023 a lot of us could see some some dings and bruises in our life some real pain maybe failures maybe something that you determined you wanted to see change in your life maybe an addiction that you you wanted to shake once and for all, and it seemed like you kept tripping and falling over and over again. And you wonder now, looking back at the end of the year, if change is even possible. Maybe you need a fresh start today. And a lot of people look to the turn of the year as a time, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we don't have to look to the calendar to get a fresh start. We don't have to wait for the flip over to January to start again, to have a new start, because in Christ we can have a new beginning whenever we need a new start, whenever we need that new beginning. And so today I want to talk to you from the scriptures about how to let go of the past and to pursue the grace that God has placed before us. And maybe you feel like, I don't even know if I dare to try again in this area of my life, or maybe this pain, it just seems so real, so tangible. I don't, I don't know how to even see myself on the other side of it, but I want you to just lift up your eyes and look to Jesus one more time. Just dare to hope in God again. He won't fail you. I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, this is a letter that Paul wrote it's a short letter, but it's so full, so rich. And we're going to see 
how Paul did what I'm talking about. In difficult times, in the good and the bad, he was able to let go of what lay behind him and stretch forward, pressing forward, pursuing what was ahead of him, that to which God had called him. We're going to start in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians 3, 7, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me. Just to set us up a little bit here, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. This is one of his prison epistles. Probably in Rome, his life was literally hanging in the balance. Many biblical scholars uh, understand that he actually was released from this prison before he was captured again at a different time. But Paul didn't know that when he wrote this letter. Paul didn't know what the outcome would be. Paul didn't know how things were going to turn out for him. And he was writing to the Philippian church, and he was writing in particular because there was a group of religious people, some kind of religious zealots we could call them. They were known as the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were basically saying, well, we accept what Jesus did. We accept that he was the Messiah, but we say that you have to do something else to complete the good news. You have to do something else. You have to follow these customs and these traditions and do these activities in order to uh, be fully accepted by God. And Paul was writing urgently to the Philippians and telling them that that's not the case, that the gospel isn't Jesus plus anything, it's Jesus plus nothing. And so look with me, chapter 3, verse 7. Paul goes through this laundry list of all his qualifications, all his natural advantages, all of the accolades, all of the things that he could have had in a a sort of trophy case of his life. But he he says so boldly and so confidently in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. He wasn't going to depend on any of those things, any of those advantages. And he had a lot of advantages. He was born in the right nation. He was born in the right city, in the the right circumstances. His life started out right. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He had all of these natural advantages. He had the best education that was available at that time. And yet he says those things that were gained to me, these I have counted lost or uh, considered to be lost. I've reckoned them. It's a, it's a word in the Greek that is used to talk about accounting. When you add up a, a sum of things and you total it up, he says, I've totaled it all up and added it all up. I've went over the numbers and I count it as a total loss. I count it as a write-off. He wasn't going to lean on those things, the good things, the advantages. But he also wasn't going to be held back by the bad things in his life, by the disadvantages, by the things that had gone wrong, by the mistakes that he had made in the past. You remember that Paul was a persecutor of the church. He mentions that in this chapter, in fact. He talks about being a persecutor of the church. He was responsible one way or another for the death 
of Christians for their suffering, for their pain. And yet he wasn't going to let that hold him back either, whether it was good or bad. If you look back over 2023, you might have had a great year. But you know what? Our successes can hold us back as much as our failures can. The good times can slow us down as much as bad times can, depending on how we handle it. But Paul said, those things that were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. And then in verse 8, he says, yet indeed I also count all things loss, the good and the bad, the indifferent, everything. I count all things loss for the excellence of, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul had these advantages and they were valuable. But he counted them as nothing when he compared those things and weighed those things against the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. I wonder if you and I maybe need a reminder of how awesome it is to know Jesus Christ. Maybe in the busyness of life, we've forgotten what an honor it is that Jesus chose us. We didn't choose him. Sometimes we think, well, I got smart and I figured it out and finally made my decision for Christ. That's great. But God made his decision for you a long time ago. You chose God, yes. Jesus said, you haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you. You are his choice. He's not putting up with you. He chose you. He appointed you. He picked you out. He selected you. And that's what Paul's talking about here in verse 8, that excellence, that it's so far beyond us, you can't even describe it. It's so amazing, that excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, verse 8, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. He talks about his suffering there. And this passage does talk about suffering. You know, sometimes us preachers, we don't talk enough about suffering, maybe. Or at least my kind of preacher. And it's not like we want to talk about it. I mean, it's not going to get anybody swinging from these chandeliers, I can tell you that. You know. That's not, that's not what's going to get people excited and running these aisles, you know, and whatever, you know. But the truth is there is suffering in this world. The question is, how do we deal with it? What do we do with it? How do we interpret it? It's going to come to all of us in one way or another, in big things or little things, but how do we handle it? Paul's Paul knew what suffering was about. He was writing this letter from a cold dungeon, remember? Probably didn't even have a a blanket to cover up with. Barely had food to eat. I mean, the situation would have been dire. They, They probably had to, you know, use a bucket for a toilet, not to be too graphic, but, you know, think about it. It was an unpleasant situation. He was suffering. His life was hanging in the balance. And yet he said, even though I've suffered because of Christ, I count those advantages as nothing. It's so, uh, that word rubbish, depending on the translation, you know, it might say waste, it might say excrement. 
Um, some of the scholars even, I don't take this view, but some even thought that it might have actually been Paul cussing. That it was, it's a very strong word in the Greek. And it's something that is just repugnant and you don't even want to look at it or touch it and you just distance yourself from it is the idea. It's something you'd completely cast away. It's not something you slip into your pocket for later in case you need it. And Paul is saying, that stuff that was an advantage to me, I've, I've totally washed my hands of it. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not going to hinge my success or my identity or my sense of purpose on those things like I did before because of the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? He says there, I've counted them rubbish, verse 8 that I may gain Christ. Now, he was already born again. He was already baptized when he wrote this. He wasn't wondering if he was going to make it in or wondering where he stood with God. And yet, he still has this this desire to know Christ more and to, to understand further what Jesus accomplished for him and for us, that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. That's the righteousness that these Judaizers were promoting. That's the righteousness that Paul had. You know, he said that he was blameless. As far as the law went, he was blameless. And that was a lot better than most people could say. And so in the natural, he might have had something to boast about and to say, Well, look at me. I did it all right. I, I checked all the, the boxes. I crossed all my T's and dotted my I's. But he didn't say that. He said, I've, I've counted all of those advantages, all of that human works-based righteousness, all of that tradition and, and all of that that I was looking to to supply my identity with God, my right standing with God. I abandoned all of that so that I can gain Christ and be found in him. Verse 9, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Say faith in Christ. They came to Jesus one time and they said, what do we have to do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, the work of God is that you believe in the one that God sent. Believe in me, was what he was saying. Faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith. It's not from man. It's not from woman. It's not from any human source. It's not from anything we do. It's from God, and it's accessed by faith. Verse 10, Paul just continues to unpack this this heart desire that's just motivating everything that he does as he sits in that jail cell in spite of everything that he's suffering at that moment, he says in verse 10, and you can just hear it bursting out of his heart, this passion, this this love, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We love that part. That's great. Knowing Jesus, knowing the power of his resurrection and I kind of wish Paul would have stopped right there, but he keeps going and he says, 
and the fellowship of his sufferings. That word fellowship could be communion or the sharing or participation in his sufferings. Suffering because we belong to Jesus in the midst of a corrupt and perverted generation. Suffering because we lay hold on heaven while we live in this fallen world. Suffering because we believe in this one that's called us to go against the grain of this world. It's not always easy to be a Christian. It's not always easy to follow Jesus. I would argue if you're finding it really easy to follow Jesus, you may not be following Jesus. It's not easy, but Paul said, I want to know even that participation, even that fellowship, that sharing, even in Jesus' sufferings. I don't want to leave that part of it out. Because even as we give those things to God, as we, as we suffer because we believe in Jesus, we go through difficulty. Maybe you've been rejected because of, uh, because of your faith. Maybe there's relationships in your life that people don't treat you like they did before because they think that you're judging them or because uh, they just reject your point of view about the gospel. Well, Jesus said to call yourself blessed when you find yourself in that position. Paul wanted to know Jesus, not just the power of his resurrection, but also even the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. But it doesn't stop there, thank God. Paul says in verse 11, If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Is there a part of your life that feels dead? Is there a part of your life that feels like it's buried? Even though you serve God, even though you call on Jesus, and it can feel like you're just talking to the ceiling and you're not getting the answers you expect. Maybe you're suffering even in the midst of your faith. It's not going to end in suffering. Suffering isn't the end. Resurrection is the end. Just like the cross wasn't the end for Jesus, that was just the path to glory. That was the path to the throne. And the resurrection came after it, and Paul knew that. And that's why he said, I want to even, everything that I'm suffering, I want to share that in Christ because I'm confident that Jesus is going to cause me to rise out of these situations and even literally rise Again, at the last day, there will be a resurrection of the dead. And Paul had that hope. And if you feel like there's things in your life that are dead and buried and maybe gone forever, God can take those things and resurrect them. God can give his new life to those situations. Amen? Look at verse 12. Paul says, it almost sounds like he's doubting, but he's not doubting. He says, not that I've already attained, not that I've already gotten it, or I'm already perfected or completed. 
He, he didn't feel like he had it in the bag. He says, I press on, I pursue. I think about the, the old story. Remember the tortoise and the hare? And the hare made the mistake. How many of you remember the story? Come on now. The hare made the mistake. He thought that he was just all that in a bag of chips. And, you know, so he's, he's just taking it easy. He's just really complacent. And he decides, you know, I'm running against this tortoise. There's no way this tortoise is going to beat me. I'm the obvious winner, so I'm just going to take it easy. And he, he goes and he lays under a tree and falls asleep. And what is that tortoise doing the whole time? The tortoise is just plodding along. The tortoise was just pressing on, persisting, pursuing. He didn't have to be fast. He didn't have to be the fastest one in the race. He just had to be one that never quit. One that never stopped, one that never gave up, one that maybe he fell along the way, but he got back up again. And that's what Paul is like. That's the the heart of what Paul is saying here. He's saying, "I, I haven't arrived yet. There's a resurrection out there that's still ahead of us. It's God's promise to all the believers, and I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm not quitting. I'm not perfected yet. I'm not completed yet. God's still working on me. Now, we know that in Christ we're complete. But there's also this, way, this outworking of what God did on the inside. Because God wants you to look like on the outside just like you do on the inside. It's not enough for God to know that you're a saint. God wants everybody to know it. God wants everybody to see the glory that you carry on the inside, the glory that he put inside of you by his grace. He wants to develop you and perfect you and complete you to make you look just like Jesus so that everybody else can see Jesus in you and in me. Amen? And Paul says there in verse 12, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't arrived yet. I don't have it in the bag, we might say. He's not complacent. He's not just sitting by waiting for Jesus to come back, waiting for the resurrection. No, he's, he's already done some great accomplishments by this point. At the, at the point he wrote this letter, he had a laundry list of things that he had done. He talked about some of them in this chapter. He said, I count that as loss. I count it as rubbish. Even the things he did as a believer in Jesus, he wasn't resting on those laurels he wasn't willing to just sit down uh, you know settle on his dregs and wait for the rapture wait for Jesus to come back Uh, he was pursuing he said I press on I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me the Greek word he uses here is katalambano. It's a very rich word. I don't expect you to remember that uh, word. You won't be tested on it. Um, but it's a rich word, and it, it has quite a few meanings. It's got a range of meaning. But one of the meanings is the idea of winning or attaining. You're, you're reaching the prize. You're reaching the reward. It also has the idea of, of laying hold of 
or seizing something, grabbing something, or even getting an inheritance, finally coming into that inheritance, coming into what's been promised. And Paul said, I press on, I pursue, that I may seize, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. I'm sure he was thinking back on his conversion experience. We can remember from the book of Acts, as Paul was persecuting the church. He was pursuing the church. Interestingly, it's that same word. Persecuting is the same word he uses here to say, I press on. He's pressing on toward the good, toward Jesus, the same way he was chasing down Christians to persecute them on his way to Damascus. He's saying, now I'm in that same way, with that same intensity, I'm pursuing Jesus Christ. I'm sure when he thought back on that time of his life, when he's talking about that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me, that for which uh, Jesus seized me, he was thinking of that encounter in Damascus when Jesus appeared to him in, in glory and he fell down to the ground and, and Jesus called him and Paul gave his life to Jesus in that, in that time. And I'm sure Paul was thinking about that, that just like God laid hold of me and grabbed hold of me, that I'm pursuing and I'm, I'm stretching out my hand. In fact, he says that very thing in verse 13. He says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, to have gotten it, but one thing I do, say one thing. We can all do one thing. He says, forgetting those things which are behind That word there, forgetting, it doesn't just mean that you don't remember it. It means that you're purposefully disregarding it. You're choosing to overlook it. You're paying no attention to it. You're giving no heed to it. That's some of the meaning there, forgetting, just dismissing it, leaving it behind, letting it go so that your hands are free to reach forward. And that's what he says, forgetting those things which are behind And reaching forward, that's the only time that word is used in the New Testament. Reaching forward is to exert yourself to the uttermost. And it's it's the idea of stretching or straining to reach what's ahead. You can almost imagine Paul's in his mind. He's running this race and he's right, right there running and he's stretching out on that final stretch as they call it. And he's reaching out. To lay hold of the prize that was before him. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. Verse 14, I press toward the goal. I'm not looking behind me, I'm looking ahead of me. My hands aren't encumbered, my hands are free. My hands are stretching forward to what's in front of me. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That call that he got right in the beginning, he continued to hear that call throughout his life. You can think back in your life, I'm sure, to times and 
Maybe the first time you ever heard God calling to your heart. Maybe it wasn't so dramatic like what Paul experienced. I've only met a handful of people in my life that have seen a vision of Jesus. But you can think of how God called you and how God drew you to himself and he laid hold of you. And when life is coming up against you and I, we don't want to look behind us. We want to press on for the prize. Press on for the prize that lays ahead of us. Press on to lay hold of that for which God has already laid hold of us. I want to remind you that when you feel like your strength isn't there to lay hold on God, God will never let go of you. You don't have to have the strength. God is holding on to you. God has seized you. God has put his hands on you and me. And he's ready to carry us across the finish line. He's calling us. He's drawing us to himself. Do you believe it? I believe it. I don't know what you faced this year. Maybe you've been running your race and you feel like you've fallen. Stand one more time. Maybe you feel like you you suffered a loss. We had in our family this year a tragic loss of Christina's brother. And I've seen Christina get up time and time again and just press on one more time. I don't know what you've gone through. But God is on your side and he's laid hold of you. He believes in you. He's not letting you go. He's lifting you higher. He's calling you upward. He's calling you onward. I want you to press on for the prize. Whatever good lies behind you this year, be willing to leave it and continue pressing on. Whatever evil lies behind you, press on. Don't quit. Rise up again. Press on for the prize. I'd like you to stand up with me. We'll pray and we're going to do a a couple of things before we dismiss. But I want to ask if there's, uh, as we bow our heads, let's just take a moment before the Lord in prayer. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Maybe you're here today and you think, I need that new start. I need that new life in Christ. I've never... I've never known Christ. I've never had my first beginning with Christ. He's here for you. He said, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast out. He's present right now. And if you're here and you say, preacher, I want to receive Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't even call you forward or anything. I just want to know if there's someone here that says, I need to make a decision for Christ. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want him to lay a hold of my heart and call me upward like he did the Apostle Paul. If that's you, just raise your hand where I can see it. I want to lead you in a prayer. In a moment, we're going to take communion. God is welcoming you into his family. Is there anybody here that... that wants to be led in that prayer to receive Christ, just raise your hand. I'll lead you in a prayer. Praise God. 
you can lift your heads. We're going to take communion this morning. I believe most of you have the elements there in your hand. If you don't, you go ahead and slip your hand up and the ushers will help you. And it's two-sided. We're going to open the bread first. Of course, if you opened the bottom already, it's too late. But it'll work. It'll work either way. But we'll start with the bread. You can take that bread in your hand. And I think about it. Think about how we hold this bread in our hand. That's how God holds us in his hand. He's laid hold on us. And we're laying hold on him. And it's a miracle and it's a mystery. But Jesus is present with us at this time. He's present with us in this communion, in these elements. He's here with us. We believe that. And that's what transforms us. Because we participate in his life. Because like Paul talked about today as we read, we participate in the sufferings of Christ, but we also participate in his resurrection. We're buried with him through baptism, the Bible says, into death, but we're also raised with him by the glory of the Father into newness of life. That's good news. Let's take that element, hold it up, and just confess with me, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are God. You became incarnate. You dwelt among us. We beheld your glory. You suffered and died. And on the third day, you rose in power from the dead. I believe in you. I believe this sacrifice was enough. Your body, symbolized in this bread, was broken for me. And by your stripes, I was healed. Go ahead and take that bread. Say this with me, Lord Jesus Christ. Your blood was shed for me. The life of God poured out for me so that I could be filled with your life and made completely whole. My sins are washed away. I am a new creation and I participate I receive your sacrifice by faith. Amen. Go ahead and drink that. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands. If you want to lift your hands or pray or close your eyes for a minute, we're not in a rush. I've seen miracles happen just as people participate in the communion. It's powerful. Jesus is so close to us. He's so present. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your your closeness to us. You never turn your back on us. You never let go your hold of us. You never let your grip off of us. You've laid hold of us. We lay hold of you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. 
For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.